Happy Frazetta Friday, Frazetta fans. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Frazetta Fridays with Frazetta Girls. I'm Sarah Frazetta, your host. I hope each and every one of you is enjoying the holiday season. I've personally been in full festive mode, decorating my home with all of the bells and whistles, buying gifts, Sitting in reflective moments, listening to the sounds of Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra, that level of festive. Because I have been, I've been taking it for granted in past years. And, and this year I really thought to myself, wow, what an honor to be alive in this time in history that we get to choose to be festive. So I want to take it all in. And on that note, I want to extend my thanks to all of you who have supported Frazetta Girls. I absolutely love that you love what we are creating from my grandfather's art. It has been such a joy and I definitely feel like an elf in Santa's workshop sometimes. So thank you for giving us that opportunity to do this and we love you guys. We did send out our Frazetta gift guide this week and in case you missed it, and still have some gifts to buy for loved ones. We recently released our Conan the Barbarian holiday ornament. We have them available in antique silver and antique gold. Most of them should be on your trees by now, or at least under the tree, waiting for someone special to say buy Crom on Christmas morning because, my God, wouldn't it be the most epic Christmas gift? We also have some of our 2023 calendars still available. Great gifts to buy. Um, in other news, we have a great announcement this week. A, the fans of Magic the Gathering have, have been in a complete uproar of happiness because the artwork of Frank Frazetta has finally, finally arrived. In the lineup, we have Silver Warrior, Sound, Devil's Generation, Death Dealer 2, and of course, Death Dealer 1. Both standard and foil editions are now available for pre-order only at secretlayer.wizards.com. Before we move on from this note, I want to thank Tom. Tom, you know who you are. Tom has been with Wizards for a long time and is responsible for making this happen. He has loved Frazetta since he was a little boy and never gave up on making this, this collaboration come together. So thank you, Tom. We love you so much. Um, in comic news, we have our sci-fi comic coming to stores next week, Dawn Attack issue number one, covers by the one and only Frank Frazetta. We have Dan Panosian joining us again, Dave Dorman and Santi Casas with interior work by Diego Yapor. It is written by New York Times best-selling author Jody Hauser and professional game master Eric Campbell. You won't want to miss this series, guys, because it is just absolutely stunning. And on that note, please join us on the Frazettaverse Discord to follow all things comics news. We have really great membership perks where you can get a digital subscription. Um, we're going to have meetups and just really amazing things coming to the Frazetta community. And I will include that link in the description of this episode. So moving right along to what this episode is really about, it's Frazetta's time in comics, the golden age of comics. Comics were Frazetta's inspiration. They were his foundation. 
and really the launching point for his entire career. Serious comics fans and collectors are well aware of Frazetta's contributions to the industry, but so many Frazetta fans have no idea. So, if you did not know, you will know by the end of our time together, and it's really, it's really quite amazing. So let's let's get right into it. So most of you know, and we talked about the, about this a bit in episode two, but Frazetta was largely a self-taught artist. Um, he did study at the Brooklyn Academy of Fine Arts, and he had some apprenticeships, but he was really on his own. Um, after Falangia passed away, Frazetta did stay at the Art Academy for a bit longer, but ultimately he knew it was time to move on and make some money, so where better to go than the comics industry? In 1944, when Frazetta was nearly 16 years old, Bailey Comics hired him to be the assistant for John Gunta. This job, it was mostly erasing pencils, but in between the tedious tasks they assigned him, Gunta noticed Frazetta was really quite good. He saw all of these personal little sketches and character designs all over his personal workstation, and he was he was quite interested, um, unlike, unlike Falanja. Falanja was not interested in these personal doodles and did not in, motivate him to or encourage him to to follow his passion and I really I think it was it wasn't so much Falanja sticking his nose up to comics it was just simply that Falanja wanted Frazetta to follow his path and go into fine arts and travel with him to Italy and 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 learn from the masters and so comics just weren't in his horizon and he he wanted Frazetta to go in that in that in that path but the thing is Frazetta's heart was was always in comics um Frazetta loved comics since he was a young boy he he was mesmerized by the king the, the you know who I'm talking about the king of comics Jack Kirby he thought the world of Captain America I mean he loved him he couldn't get over how Captain America moved and how he threw his shield and the power and 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 he loved Milton Kniff and and loved Milton Kniff's Terry and the Pirates um Roy Crane's Buzz Sawyer another huge inspiration to young Frazetta and of course you can't leave this out he dreamt of being Tarzan thanks to Hal Foster um he had so much inspiration from from these the the OGs of comics and and it fueled Frazetta to create his own little stories, um, Grey Dawn, Cave Girl, and then of course there was Snowman. And like I said earlier, this is this is what caught Gunta's interest. He saw these little drawings of this snowman, this this little snowman that was fighting Nazis, and and he was he was interested. He was interested to see what Frazetta could come up with. So Gunta persuaded Bernard Bailey of Bailey Comics to publish a what became a heavily revised version of Frazetta's little comic book titled Snowman. And and Bailey obviously thought Frazetta was pretty great too and approved it and, and they got to work. Um, the seven-page story ended up appearing in Tally Ho number one in 1944. And this was a huge accomplishment for Frazetta. I mean, he was 16 years old and had published work. So pretty incredible. So two short years later, 
He worked briefly for Fiction House Comics, and again, he was cleaning up pencils this time for Graham Ingalls, Bob Lubbers, and George Evans. And that same year, Prize Publications gave Frazetta the chance to submit a solo story to be published in Treasure Comics. Um, these stories were Know Your America and Cap'n Kid Jr. Um, again, really great opportunity, and, and Frazetta was, was thrilled that he was able to work at such a young age. So after he had left um, Fiction House, it was the year was 1949, and Frazetta visited Standard. Um, the Standard was it was a huge uh, comic house at the time, and he he brought his portfolio, and lo and behold, there was Graham Ingalls, who he had just recently worked with at Fiction House. So Ingalls was now the art director at Standard, which was pretty convenient for Frazetta. They had already really established a working relationship. Ingalls really liked Frazetta. So Ingalls and him got pretty close, and he actually gave him the opportunity to illustrate Judy of the Jungle. Now, Judy of the Jungle appeared in Exciting Comics number 59. And although I, I personally see beautiful elements in, in this early work, Judy in the Jungle, um, but a lot of, I, guess, I don't want to say a lot of people, a lot of fans love this work, but... Ingalls, Frazetta, and basically the entire standard standard team, they, they weren't really happy with the outcome. They were like, you know, maybe we rush this. He's still a kid. He's not ready. Um, overall, they thought Frazetta was a little in over his head, and, and they needed to pull him back a little bit. But they, they, they really, again, they, they believed in Frazetta. They just knew that he was... He was a kid. He was an amateur. So they gave him another opportunity to refine his skills by doing funny animal illustrations and stories for titles like Barnyard Comics, Cuckoo Comics, and Happy Comics, which are adorable. And they're, they're wonderful. I mean, you can really see Frazetta's personality come out in these titles. So Ingalls was there for a while, but ultimately he um, had some health issues, some personal problems, and stepped down as, or maybe was fired, um, as the art director. And that is when Ralph Mayo stepped in. So he replaced Ingalls, and and uh, Frazetta was a little unhappy about this. You know, like I said before, he had established a relationship with Ingalls, and now this new guy, Mayo's moving in. And Mayo came in pretty hot. You know, he was like, listen, he, he Frazetta, you're a kid. And, and he pulled him to the side. He goes, listen, you're good, but you got some weaknesses that yet you have to address. So he told Frazetta right away, you're good, but you need to learn anatomy. This is what I promised we'd talk about on the, the, the next episode, and here we are. We've landed. So what did Mayo do? Mayo loaned Frazetta his personal copies of Victor Perard and George Bridgman books on anatomy. And you guys have heard this story before. Any, any, any real Frazetta fans, you've heard this. I've said it a million times. But I'm going to say it again. So Frazetta took home the books and returned them the next day. Oh, yes, he did. He took home the books for one night and returned them the next day. <laughs> Mayo was like, hey, what are you doing? I told you to study these books. Why are you bringing them back to me? To which Frazetta replied, oh, no, I copied them every single drawing last night, and I no longer need them. I have them memorized. I learned anatomy. 
So Mayo roared with laughter and said, you do not know anatomy, but okay, whatever. I'll take back my books back. Um, and and my, my grandfather, Frazetta, was like, you'll see. Um, it, it, because he really believed in his photographic memory. And Mayo did see the improvements, actually. Frazetta wasn't crazy, after all. He, he gave Frazetta Louis Lazy Bones. It was a, the next series to work on, which, by the way, was a blatant ripoff of Al Cap's popular newspaper strip. Um, but Frazetta's work on Louis Lazy Bones is actually what caught Cap's attention, and, and he hired Frazetta a few years later. Um, so, obviously... Frazetta improved immensely for, for Al Cap to see this work and say, oh my God, like, who, who's this guy? Who's this guy, Frazetta? So, so thank you, Ralph Mayo, for doing that for Frazetta and, and having him improve so quickly. Um, so Frazetta eventually left Standard. He left to freelance and began working with magazine enterprises, Eastern Publishing, and National. He worked on the adventure titles, Durango Kid, Manhunt, DC's Adventure Comics, Shining Knight, and Black Hawk. But he didn't receive tremendous accolades until his covers for Ghost Rider. Uh, Ghost Rider, I mean, those those covers were, were mind-blowing. That's when Frazetta really started peaking in comics. Um, and then in 1951, Magazine Enterprises gave him the green light to create his own title. And that's like another stepping stone in comics when you get to do your own title. And that title was Thunder, which became an extremely notable time in Frazetta's comics career. Thunder was about this Tarzan-like character who gets trapped in a lost world. Uh, Magazine Enterprises brought in Gardner Fox to write the script. It was based on Frazetta's ideas and sketches. And you know... Rosetta was really happy with this. I mean, he was he was thrilled to have this opportunity. He saw himself progressing very quickly, quicker than most of his peers. Um, but so so he was really happy with the first three issues of Thunder. But then you know, as with everything, there was a little bit of turmoil, and he said that the editor had Fox, the Fox was the writer, Gardner Fox, take out. The, the the prehistoric setting in the writing and it, it kind of just ruined the entire concept for for Frazetta and in 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 Frazetta's opinion it just turned into another cardboard jungle comic. Um, but he still did a great job nonetheless on all of the interiors. It was it was really beautiful. So following Thunder came Frazetta's Buck Rogers covers for famous funnies, which deserve an episode dedicated to them fully, which we will get into at a later date. Then came Personal Love in 1953 and 1954. Uh, Personal Love was incredible and he received an, an amazing amount of praise from his peers and, and the art, art world. He, I mean, they were just gorgeous. Um, I do have to mention that this was also the time, 1953, where he formed a, a group of artists together called the Flegel Gang. And we we have an entire blog dedicated to, to the Flegel Gang. This was written by my friend Steve Ringenberg. And um, you know, I think that I think that also deserves a, a dedicated episode because there's so much important important information with how the Flegel Gang supported each other. You know, the Flegel Gang was for for context, it, it consisted of Al Williamson, Roy Crankle, um, uh, Frank Frazetta, and, and, and I mean, it was just it was 
an incredible group of artists all coming together, Angelo Torres, and that was that was Frank's support system. And I and I don't think he would have launched the way he did without without the support system, without his his mentors and his peers. Um, God, boy, oh boy, do I wish that I could get Angelo Torres to come have a chat with me here. Oh, he's wonderful. And he has so many Frazetta stories. We shall see. Anyway, back, back to, back on track. So Frazetta started exploring new directions in the early 50s. He started drawing for newspaper comic strips, Johnny Comic, which was later changed to Ace McCoy and only lasted a bit longer after the, the rebranding. Um, but the profound change in Frazetta's career was when Al Cap hired him as one of his uncredited ghost artists for the extremely popular Little Abner. Um, and, and that also will get its own episode because that is a lot to unpack. So while working with Cap, Frazetta was still freelancing comic assignments, but those opportunities really became scarce because the industry really, it was going through a rough patch and it came completely crashing down by 1954. Um, when, when Frazetta finally left Cap, no one would even hire him. It was just, um, it was a rough time in comics. They were, they were saying that they were brainwashing the kids and canceling comics and, you know, this whole uproar. There were lawsuits going on. Um, but yeah, so Frazetta, so aside from not really having opportunities, they, the, the comic industry, what was left of it at least, kind of band together and said, we, we don't really like Frazetta's style. It's a little old fashioned. And I, I can't, I don't understand that. I mean, he was, he was like 30 years old at this time. How's he old fashioned? But thankfully, George Evans, um, he he rescued Frazetta in the dark time of making absolutely no money. He gave him some very various assignments for Dell, Gold Key. They paid him you know, garbage, but it was better than nothing. It was better than starving. And and Frazetta was tremendously thankful to Evans. And this is this is the time when Frazetta finally decided to leave comics and he pursued his career as an illustrator. And the rest is history. But I do have to add, despite the accolades and increased income um, as, as that he received as, a, as an illustrator, as a painter, Frazetta did occasionally come back to comics, um, which were his first love. He, he, he came back really any t- opportunity that he had. He, he worked on the erotic satire comic series for Playboy, Little Annie Fanny, a single humor page strip for the back cover of Mad Magazine number 106 titled Early One Morning in the Jungle, which is hilarious and gorgeous. And then, of course, his iconic full-length story for James Warren's magazine-sized horror comic Creepy titled Werewolf, um, which, you know, was was mind-blowing. It's gorgeous work. And and Frazetta, he, he brought... He brought so much to comics. He put in so much work and dedicated his entire adolescence to comics. And and uh, I mean, it's it can't be overstated the importance of what he did for for comics and what comics did for him. So yeah, that was a, a brief rundown of of Frazetta in comics. And I, I hope you enjoyed learning a bit about this. I am looking forward to going into depth about his, 
time with Al Cap and, and, and all of the drama and his time working with the Flegel gang because that's, that's really incredible. And I do want to note that I will have a video version of this on YouTube only and we will kind of slow it down and have a, a visual presentation of the artworks that I have mentioned here. So I want to thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate you all. And on the next episode of Frazetta Fridays with Frazetta Girls, we will be joined by two very special guests um, so I'm looking forward to that, guys. Thank you so much, and I uh, will see you next time.